And we're recording. Is it definitely recording? It's definitely okay, recording. We just lost some class A I material. I that was a proper <laughs> intro we had recorded. I'm sorry. It was really cool, actually. Yeah, we were speaking oh, about those moments where we... Okay. You just introed me. You intro. You introed me really cool. You were like, "I'm Fee," and you were like, "And you are." And I was like, "Claire," and it was really cool. And then we were we were talking about how cool it was. Yeah. And how when we were a kid, you'd like you know you'd imagine that you had a podcast and you'd be doing well, not a podcast, but mm. for me, it was an Oscar speech. Yeah. Or. An Oscar speech with the shampoo bottle. Yeah, or like a Grammy speech. I never really thought about the talent. I just thought about me receiving the award. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just keeping an eye on the all frequency here online. And uh, yeah, it is all just about getting close, staring out to the microphone today, everyone. Okay. Yes. Get real yes. close. Okay. Sorry. Very, Very inappropriate. Very inappropriate. Okay. Hi, Oscar. Oscar has joined us. Oscar heard you talking and decided to join us. Hey, Oscar. I bought him a new bed and he loves it. So I thought he would stay in that, but obviously not. He prefers making an appearance on the podcast. I get it, Oscar. I do. Yeah. Um, have you any news? Any um, news? No, I, I was up at the Ploughing Championship. Oh, yes. You have to tell week. our li- listeners who are not from Ireland about Ploughing Championships. Uh, how do without I Without making it sound so stereotypically and painfully Irish. I don't think there's any way to do that, though. It's like a big carnival of tents that represent different agricultural companies and machinery yes. and they rip you off up there if you get to a food stall and, you buy and there it. are actual plowing championships as oh well. i didn't see that at all <laughs> i just went there and i You're saw like a I few went, irish celebrities yeah. and that was it um i used to go to um sheepdog trials oh wow oh my god and they were really fun oh my god yeah so like you, where did you go to those um i went to one in Oh, I can't remember my first ones. They were in Tipperary somewhere. And then my second ones were in the north. I think I went to like County Down. Not specifically for the sheepdog trials, but they happened to be on and we decided to go to them. That's amazing. Um, Did not know that. So you watch sheep or you watch dogs herding sheep in the most like brilliant of ways. And it's just, and there's like a way, there's all this like code that the farmers or the the herders use and stuff. It's amazing, isn't it? It's incredible. It was a really good day out. It was just me and a lot of farmers and people who love dogs. Did you have the paddy hat? It was a great day. No, I didn't. I was Mm -hmm. going to wear like, or I was going to get like a John Deere like coat or something. Oh, I love it. Just to feel like one of them. them, But I just felt like, no, I look like an imposter. I'm just trying too hard, you know. I did buy myself a nice fleece though. Nice. Yeah, I don't have I it anymore, it. but I, I saw I, did. I saw Marty uh, Marty Whelan. I love a bit of Marty. Yeah, a bit of Marty for any of our non-Irish listeners. Marty Whelan is an Irish personality over here. I suppose he'd be a bit like meeting like Trebek or um, mm. um, oh my God, Regis maybe more more Regis I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, okay. he's a bit of our Regis Philbin. Yeah, so um, a few politicians up there now. Yeah, the Mary old politicians Lou. make the old appearance and they do. They kiss do. the baby's heads and then they yeah. head off yeah. again on oh, their merry corrupt way. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so yeah, I didn't, I don't really have any news. <laughs> My week was just work and... Um, it's hard going, but you're not too far off college No, I'll be, be going to college. Oh my God, I'm just like, I can't wait. Just You know, I was about to say, oh listeners, you know, if you're on the old Instagram there, Sinclair, a lovely all... Good luck, you know, going to Aww. college if you can. <laughs> and she received zero messages. Yeah. <laughs> or if you see me on campus in UCC, 
just be like, hey. I'll be like, hey. <laughs> and like, then we'll I know leave you. it at that. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you're not going to know what Claire, I look like. Claire will have all her college, you know, attire now. They all UCC cap. Imagine the, just the UCC hoodie, cap. Yeah. The bag, the pencil case. Yeah. Even the sneakers. We, we had a thing back in the day that like, if you were going to UCC, oh, yeah. all the pretty girls did com. They did commerce. Okay. So they used to be called com babes. Oh, I love it. Com babes used to like wear like always wore like skinny jeans and Uggs like real Uggs oh not God, the fake Uggs, pennies ones man. and they wore like a load of tan like fake tan yeah. and yeah they were just like you aspired to be a com babe God. but I just never we all went off to pennies or Primark to get the all Uggs and yeah. they turned to shite in a matter and they'd of... your feet would like I think I said this before in the podcast <laughs> they kind of bend they'd turn in <laughs> So you walk around like an absolute idiot. <laughs> or down the street and you'd be slipping everywhere because they were, oh, they'd no, they'd no purchase on them whatsoever. Oh, the thing, and you know what? Fake tan is still a thing amongst very young yeah. people before college. Going, you know, Sometimes now I would throw on the, a little bit of tan. Oh, yeah, I've nothing it makes you feel... It. Um, it's all about how you apply it. Yes, it is. And yeah, we didn't... In Back in the day, we didn't do any of the old exfoliating or the, yeah, the moisturising or anything. We just slapped it on. Slapped it on. A bit of uh, sun shimmer or whatever it was. <laughs> Rimmel. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I was talking to my niece about this um recently enough, like where if you had bronzer, like we didn't apply it, you just put it all over your face. Oh, so you God, just literally brushed it in with a brush. What was the one that you used to spray on? There was this one Sally Hansen. That's it, Sally Hansen. Yeah, which is actually a great tan, but you have to apply something before it. Yeah, like it's just it's just it can dry, it can be very drying mm. and the only balls about fake tan is that it gets all over your sheets or it gets all over I mean, everything and especially it, after an it can out. turn green there's <laughs> like it just it's just not a good look for so many people and yeah so I've just kind of learning to embrace so, my paleness so, so no Sally Henson go back to college no no I don't think so <laughs> maybe I'll get the Uggs <laughs> I'll get the Uggs imagine I'm finally a comedy <laughs> I say pennies. You can imagine the pennies departments at the moment. There's just these store units that are just filled with Uggs. Imagine, and open yeah. The door, they just come bundling. Or it's just called like <laughs> their corner of the store is just called Com Babes, <laughs> Com Babe Inspo, and it's just like fake lashes, tan. Oh, oh my god. god, we can make an Insta page pretending to be Com Babes. Com babes. Yeah. Oh. Although Com Babe it could be computer babe. It could be people be like communications babe. There's yes. so many babes. Yeah. <laughs> um. What else? Uh, News-wise, I suppose just looking at the news at the moment, really, it is all quiet. It's just the cost of living, I suppose, at the moment. There's a bit of a crisis going on. Um, just that <laughs> I know, like, who do you think our listeners are? Royalty. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah the di- dynasties out there and everything, yeah. Just some royal family member listening after our mo- one of our most recent episodes and they're just tuning in to social service, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, I suppose we'll, we'll move on to your action car. I'll dig myself out of this hole. Our action is going to be hilarious because oh. we have none. Because Fee told me that she had an actually ready. I had a screenshot. And said, oh, I have a screenshot and everything. And I was like, brilliant. This is great. I don't have to look one up. Yeah. And then was searching through her phone and said, actually, it could have been a dream. It was a dream. <laughs> and then realized it was a dream. <laughs> so I actually exists in Fanula's subconscious. My dream. There was <clears throat> an actually fact. And okay. I saw it and I was like, oh, that's perfect. Just screenshot. That. Yeah. And it was in, I don't know where I got it. It was obviously on an internet page yeah. or something in the dream. Yeah. And it was in a little blue box. And I just screenshotted. I was like, that's perfect. And uh, no, that no, never that happened. Never happened. Yeah, it's been. You know what? This is what happens when you work hard. Yes. Okay? You're like, <laughs> leave me alone. You can't yeah. It, look, it's been dreams. a long week, and your mm-hmm. dreams are obviously just 
they're pretty crazy yeah. last night I was being chased by a tiger across some kind of unflooded lake and the next day I knew I was in a pub and then I was on that like round of crash hang on what's an unflooded lake um or like a riverbed, but that was. Oh, no okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I was in a war. No, okay, no, that makes sense. I was in a war or something. There was a tiger chasing it. There was. It was prowling around, but it was. I don't know. It was kind of just. It was coming like after me and stalking then, you more. Yeah. Okay. And then I ended up in some random kind of pub or bar, and the next thing I'm on that level of Crash Bandicoot where he's jumping across the bridge, and Ari, our new kitten, is with me, and he's jumping with me. Oh, that's so and cute. And then we're over Toker in Cork, like, and the next thing there's okay. like these like terrorists like down below us and we start throwing grenades and then I woke up. Okay. Yeah. That's ex- a lot going on. Oh, I don't yeah. even, yeah. I don't think we'll touch that. No, no. <laughs> I think we'll leave that one alone. So um, seeing as it was technically your turn to do the action, <laughs> I dreamed it up and now we've established that. I would love for you to tell us all about your topic because I'm dying to actually hear about it. Um, I oh. had to check had we done this and I'm still not 100% confident that we didn't. Well, I'm going to pretend even if so, we have, I'm just going to look at you Listeners, like, wow. I'm sorry, but if we've done this before, we start to forget. Maybe you dreamed it. This is, maybe I dreamed it. <laughs> this is why, by the way, for people who criticise my titles and say that they're too long, the reason I make them, I put in the title what we've done the episode so that we'll mm. never forget. Because if I just call it one thing, I'm like, we'll forget the, the, the second topic. topic. Yeah. Which is why mostly I put like the two topics. So mm. I did go through the tops. I was like, I don't think we've done it. Okay. And to me, it is kind of insane that we haven't because it's probably, to me, it's one of the most formative events in European history. Okay. Can I guess? Yes. So the assassination of Franz Ferdinand? No. Although, good guess. Something to do with the Holy Roman Empire? Kind. Well, I d- yeah. French I, Revolution? No. Uh World War Two. <laughs> no, actually, but no, it's um, not. It's not related to that. Arab Spring? Oh, Charlemagne? No. Yeah. Although he came into my... I did a side research on the Holy oh. Roman Empire and Who Charlemagne. Did? No. Uh, but I will... I'll definitely... Um, I'll come back to them because Charlemagne is just like fascinating. Okay. 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 It is the bubonic plague. Oh my God. So I'm going to do... I'm going to talk about the oh plague. Man. And we call it the plague. Because there <laughs> have been, the it was the, the plague. There have been many plagues before it <laughs> dancing, and since, the but plague. there has been no plague like the plague. Um, you know what I'm talking about, guys, before yeah, I even yes. go into it. Um, I was thinking of that scene in, um, is it the Holy Grail or is it the life of Brian? No, it must be the Holy Grail. It is the Holy Grail. Of mm. course, it is the one set in medieval Europe where he's like, bring out your dead. That's <laughs> oh, so funny. Bring out it your dead. Is that this like one that. ain't dead yet? Yeah, it was. It was like so bad. Oh. It was like terrible. Oh my God, it was so awful. There was just people everywhere. I'm going to talk about it today. Um, cool. I love that I'm making. I'm like I'm going to talk about it now. That's great. Um, Have okay. Chat. So known as the Black Death, not contemporaneously. Contemporaneously, it was kind of known as the. the it was often called the pestilence, which I just love. It's so <laughs> dark. Like already, like <laughs> there's pestilence what a way to draw in this here town. Your, yeah, your fourteen, fifteen hundred children or whatever. Yeah. You know, just <laughs> the pestilence is outside. <laughs> you can't go out. Go to um, since it's been called the Black Death, yeah. uh, the name it's we don't really know where the name came from. Um, like we now kind of think, oh, because the rats that carried the fleas that carried the uh, bacteria were black rats, that maybe that's it. Or the colours of the, um, the uh, they're called, it's called bubonic plague because people literally grew something called buboes, which are like lumps, those, those horrible. Yeah, it was pretty gross. Yeah, And they eventually turned black as well. So it's potential or just, you know, people associate black with death yeah I so, suppose black 47 <clears throat> yeah exactly like that, that it's, it's 
I suppose black is the etymology of it. We just haven't really found the because it's actually so generic that it's really hard to find a specific mm. there. Um, it has been known as the bu- bubonic plague, but there are other. It, bubonic isn't the only type of plague, so I'll get to that in a second. Oh, um, it was a pandemic. A pandemic <clears throat> is different to obviously an epidemic. Um, because an epidemic is usually confined to kind of one air, one specific area, whereas this spread like wildfire throughout um, Eurasia and North Africa from the years 1346 to 1353. And in that period of time, millions of people succumbed God. to the Black Death. Now, it is the most fatal pandemic in human history. The loss of life cannot accurately be measured because people did not keep very good records back then. Mm. We You couldn't keep on top of the amount of people that were dying. So the estimate lies anywhere between 75 million to 200 million people. God. <clears throat> God. Like, that's that's crazy. The carbon in the atmosphere actually went down. Yes, there was some it, it, it had like um, they think it possibly had effects on climate change and everything. Yeah, and I'll get to that as well. Sorry, like, I didn't mean it's, to interrupt. No, that not part. imagine. I'm like that's my <laughs> job. Like, Saving that's that to the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wasn't. It's fine. <laughs> I'm talk about this later. <laughs> um, so it's caused by the bacterium called Yersinia pestis, mm. and that is spread by fleas. Okay, and this is kind of widely kind of held now that this. Is consensus pretty much. Um, it could take so that the the flea part of it is known as the bubonic plague, but it could take a secondary form where it's spread from person to person. Mm. So it's believed now there is a little bit of um kind of controversy around this, and there is a little bit of people don't really know if this is the truth, but it seems likely that it spread faster from person to person as opposed to from flea to person because for fleas to spread out yes there would have been fleas everywhere yeah but people too so that people were able to spread it to each other as well so how so basically via aerosols so aerosols like fog uh mist dust and even breath so um basically that there would be droplets of the um of the disease and they would spread from person to person through close contact um so let me go through the three types of this plague so i mentioned bubonic so mm-hmm. bubonic basically was um, the spread of it through flea bites. So the fleas, um, this is it believed how it spread. There's again, there's a little bit of confusion around this. So that did were the rats, the carriers of it. The fleas bit the rats. The fleas picked it up. The fleas bit humans. And then the humans contracted it. Okay. Mm. Or did the fleas have it and infect the rats? And it's a fair, it it's a fair area of contention, though, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it is. It. Because it's hard to figure out. Now, it looks like it was fleas. Fleas carried this bacterium. The bacterium would cause the fleas' stomachs to block, basically. So the f- uh, the fleas would need to feed more aggressively. So they would be more likely to bite humans. And as they bit into humans, they would regurgitate the bacteria onto human Ew. into the into the wound, and that would cause the spread of it. And so quickly as well, because they were everywhere. God damn! It. Like it's a virus, right? <clears throat> like as in it's uh, is it considered to be a virus? well, it's a bacteria. So it's yeah, so it's bacterium. Um, so it's the spread of a bacteria. That's exactly it. Mm. So the then the second type was the pneumonic plague. So that was airborne. So that was the one that spread um, person to person <coughs> and was a little bit different. Um, the first one, by the way, the bubonic plague is the one where people burst out in those horrible boils and sores mm. called buboes, hence the name bubonic plague. Right. The pneumonic plague has to do with your lungs, hence the word pneumonic. 
um, that was airborne. And then you had the septicemic plague, which oh, was uh, spread through uh, wounds, blood. Yes. So open skin, cuts, um, often animal carcasses animal bites and things like that so from an animal from an infected animal maybe mm. through a flea again through a human so um th- that, those are the three types of it so you can see why it spread so quickly because there were so many ways by which it could spread th- through blood through bites through air so like it's really difficult to avoid it um well difficult to avoid it at that time because of their terrible hygiene practices which mm-hmm. i'll get to as well okay um, it was the second plague pandemic. So there's three, there's been three major outbreaks of plague in human history recorded anyway. And the first one was called the plague of Justinian. And that broke out throughout Europe in the 540s. Um, that killed a lot of people, but not nearly as many as this. The second plague pandemic, the Black Death, is the most um, fatal, was the worst. The third broke out in China in the 1890s, spread to India um, where it was by far the most um, damaging and it even became endemic in Western, the Western United States in the 1890s. So, I mean, that's fairly modern, fairly recent. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to focus on the second one today, the most famous one, um, the one in the 1340s. Now, before we get into that, I just <laughs> to paint a picture of this time in Europe, I think most of us know this, that it was just a horrible time Miserable. to be alive. Probably the it worst time to be alive. Was horrible. Mm-hmm. So there had been before this a famine in Europe and this is called the Great Famine of 1315 to 1317 and again I mean this is one of the worst famines in human history as well like really really horrific there are horrible if you read about this and I did a bit of research into it and it was so dark and so bleak that I had to just turn around and walk out of it pretty quickly um it's like the other night i watched about five minutes of dammer on netflix and i was oh, like no, 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 <laughs> not no, no, for no, me no. it was horrible maybe not yeah. for me so um there's mentions here of like cannibalism of infanticide so people killing their own children oh. um and all of this kind of creeps into later on into fairy tales and stories like hansel and gretel yeah all of that comes out of experiences of famine that become um, kind of endemic in, in Europe during the uh, late Middle Ages. And um, it's it's just a horrible, horrible time. Um, there's a story, for example, during that horrible famine of Edward II, King of England, uh, not a very good king. Loser! Um, Edward II is actually the lame king in Braveheart, the sun king, who's like very um, oh. effeminate. Um, yeah, he's like <laughs> lame. Yeah, he's, he's just yeah. He um he and that's based on real life that he was a really ineffectual king and was probably murdered. But there's a story of him going through the English countryside and getting hungry and not being able to get food. So like, if the king of England can't get fed, nobody stood a chance. Yeah. Um. So that led that famine led to a lack of crops and nutrition. So when the when the Black Death came around, only about thirty years later, mm-hmm. uh, people didn't have the nutrition kind of required to keep them healthy and keep you know give them the the nutrition to fight it. <coughs> they didn't have it. No okay. vitamins. The population did not recover from all of this until the fifteen hundreds. Okay, and we call all of this the crisis of the late Middle Ages because it was just horrific. There was famine, there was plague, and the, it's worth pointing out the plague kept recurring. It didn't go away after the uh, in the fourteenth century. Mm. There was a very bad plague in London in fifteen sixty or sixteen. Uh, sixteen sixty-five. There was a really bad plague in that England. Ain't too long ago. And sure, the next year it was the Great Fire of London. So they had a particularly bad couple of years there. 
Um, you had so the famine plague, you had the papal schism, so you had the divide in the uh, in the Roman Catholic Church, mm-hmm. decline of chivalry, decline of the Holy Roman Empire. You had the Hundred Years' War, you had the War of the Roses. It was just this horrible time. There was a, a kind of localized revolt all throughout Europe. And yet, it our was, ancestors made it through, and here was, we are. Yeah, here we are. We're the Boom. strong ones out of the bunch. It was yep. just a very, very divisive time, <clears throat> um, a very unstable time in in European history. Now, there are a few theories as to how the plague began. Um, the widespread kind of hell belief is that it originated in Central or East Asia. Mm. Um, but its first appearance coming towards Europe was in Crimea in 1347. Okay, so and again, it, we know that it was spread by the fleas on the rats. The rats, um, there was climate change in Asia, and it's believed that rats traveled from the grasslands, which the grasslands weren't growing or thriving as well, so they had to move. Why are we laughing? I'm thinking of that scene from The Simpsons where Mo runs the rats out oh of the Oh my bar. god, it's so funny. <laughs> Everybody tuck your pants into your socks. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, <laughs> so imagining the most it's so across. So they, they, that's what they do. They move into urban areas mm. and when they move into urban areas they get infected and then they go, they travel on and there's trade routes all over the world. So they're traveling on trade routes and that's where basically they arrive first is into port towns and of course it spreads, it spreads like wildfire all through Europe. But this story here might be one of the first examples in history of kind of germ warfare, if it's true, that in Crimea um, in 1347, uh, it was besieged, Crimea was by Mongols who were <coughs> were infected with um, the bubonic plague. They were believed to have catapulted infected corpses <laughs> over the city walls to infect the people in Crimea. It was the Genoese <laughs> at the time. It's... <laughs> disgusting Sorry. but it's so clever it's so nasty but some people believe that no they look the rats would have gotten in anyway so it's it <laughs> catapult imagine <laughs> just so like imagine just somebody grieving their friend like oh jeez sorry about that there Sean and just yeah oh just sorry about him and you're just putting him in a catapult while your friend is talking to him and you're like say goodbye to him anyway <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm just going to fling him over the wall there, oh, if that's that's right. there. um so the the fleas Went on to the rats. They bit the rats. They infected the rats. It's like or... an old McDonald's farm. Bowl. Yeah, I know. It's just yeah. It's like the fleas bit the, the, the rats, rats and the rats. The rats. <laughs> the yeah, yeah. Oh, um. So either the rats. <laughs> I know it's ridiculous. Would make a good song actually in history. <laughs> to teach them to play in history. And the flea bit the rat and the rat. <laughs> rat bit the flea and then they bit the humans and off we go. <laughs> and everybody died. Okay, so then why are we singing it? like southern like yokels <laughs> I'm imagining us in um, <coughs> dungarees and a banjo yeah with a straw hat <laughs> everybody <laughs> I'm sorry for interrupting your story um, so either the rats had the plague and fleas got it off them or vice versa mm. right okay. anyway the rats travelled on ships like literally all over the ships and this is what um, led to it arriving in Europe as the bubonic pneumonic Plague. And what did I say the other one was? Uh, oh, septicemia. Or whatever it was. Right. Plague. Yeah. Now, um, I loved looking up here contem- contemporaneous theories of mm-hmm. where it came from because people back then just believed in absolutely bad crap, insane things. Punishment. It's punishment um, one theory things. isn't that out there. Like it's, it's, I've read about the miasma theory before. The miasma theory was that 
back in the Middle Ages. Mm. And up until fairly recently, people believed in um, what was called bad air or infected air or like, you know, unhealthy air. So mm-hmm. if you had a load of rotten corpses out in the street, that the air from those could infect you, could, you with something. Yeah, you could breathe it in, It's right? not the worst theory in the world because, yes, a lot of path- pathogens do travel through the air, mm-hmm. but you can't get like, they basically believed a bad smell was something you'd get like sick by or infected by. Okay. So it's called the miasma theory, which isn't tr- true. But if it if it kind of meant that they'd practice better hygiene, then, you know, there's no kind of harm in that belief. Yeah. But... They would do kind of weird things to um, to get the the bad air out of your body. So they wanted to balance the so-called humors. So we know that they believed in human or substances in the human body called the four humors, which were blood, yellow Mm -hmm. bile, black bile and phlegm. And they wanted to like balance those in your body. So they might do some pretty crazy things. Mm -hmm. Um. Before before I get into that, um, I'm going to read something here that really made me laugh today. So they they're we know that their hygiene was like pretty shocking. Probably had one bath every five years or something like that. Oh, this is the thing. They didn't bath oh. at all because it was it believed smelled. religiously that it was um, a sin to bath. Sin to be. It was. It was seen as vain. It was seen as you know. It was. Ah, it, was here. it was prideful. Like if you were bathing, it was vain. So they <clears> avoided. <throat> um, it was kind of godly to not bathe, basically. Oh. Um, I'm just gonna find the little piece here. That's nasty. Okay. <clears throat> I remember one person that used to come into the shop where I worked at during college, yeah. and this person definitely never bathed in their life. I am sorry, but the smell would actually. I'd see the person pulling in. I'm like, oh no, here they come. Here That's comes it was actually overpowering. Yeah. Like it was That's proper. Sad. Yeah, they. They. I. I don't even know who they were. Um, I know that they were somebody that probably worked in construction or something. But the smell yeah. was so bad. And it was just well, it's just become the social norm now, and because we know it's healthy, that's mm. the thing. Um, so I'm going to read this because this just I thought was brilliant. Uh, I'm getting <clears> this from Wikipedia under on, Wiki. transmission Wiki, Wiki. of the Black Death. The importance of hygiene was recognised only in the 19th century with the development of the germ theory of disease. So that's different than miasma theory, obviously. Mm-hmm. Now. And I skipped down. Um, by the early 14th century, so much filth had collected inside urban Europe that French and Italian cities were naming streets after human waste. So in medieval Paris, several streets named were inspired by merde. And merde is the French word for... Poopy. Yeah, in, in the actual crude form of the word. Oh, wow. I can say it because it's on the, you know, yeah. it's educational. So it's the French for shit, right? There were Rue Merdeau, Rue Merdelet, Rue Merdousson, oh Rue de Merdon. And Rue Merdier, as well as my personal favourite, Rue de Pipi. <laughs> I know what that one is. <laughs> so like, oh God, it's just really disgusting. Anyway, pigs, cattle, chickens, geese, goats and horses roam the streets of medieval London and Paris. Medieval homeowners were supposed to police their house rents, including removing animal dung, but most urbanites were as careless 
as William E. Cosner, a resident of the London suburb of Farringdon without. A complaint lodged against him charges that men could not pass by his house for the stink of horse dung and horse piss. Wow. Okay. You were supposed to say look out below three times before dumping a full chamber pot into the street. (laughs) Early Christians who thought self-abnegation a cardinal virtue considered bathing if not a vice then a temptation. Somebody said who knows what impure thoughts might arise in a tub of warm water. (laughs) I mean I agree (laughs) Um, okay so basically yeah like their hygiene was absolutely shocking and like Um, they didn't care right I mean they just like saying that there's crap in the streets after a chamber popping through no it's funny because if they did believe in the miasma theory and not bad air like you'd think that it would cause them to be more hygienic but it just Mm. doesn't they just I suppose didn't have the infrastructures and things we have today Mm -hmm. and um, one thing that and I this has always fascinated me and this is something that turns out to be probably true so in the United States, the color of a barber shop is usually they have that swirly thing outside red and, and it's usually and red and white and blue. Yeah. In Europe, um, in, in the UK and in Ireland, it tends to be red and white. Mm-hmm. And this actually comes from the plague where you would go to your local barber to have your blood let, which means the barber would essentially cut open. Um, Maybe sometimes they'd hit a vein oh, or they, in this instance, they might hit sores to let out all the quote unquote bad blood. Um, and the red and white is representative of blood and bandages. Oh my god! So that's why it's and it's still crazy. still there today. So they did that. They had things like they might rub some frogs on you. It might help. Uh, they would put leeches on you who would bite you and like let out all your blood. We know now in terms of the worst form of it, so that the septicemic um spread of it yeah that that is the worst thing you could do is and you can imagine they really weren't cleaning the things properly and oh my god like mary be coming filth. in and then everything and then filth. sandra be coming in after mary and he, oh my god, god like, just so so everything bad. must have been absolutely covered yeah. in bacteria like bad proper germ bacteria yeah. everywhere nothing was clean. Not yeah. even a cup, I'd say. Oh, if you're even disgusting. rich enough to have a cup. I was going to say, Jesus, cups. <laughs> cups and plates. Emotions. You know, but imagine, oh God, their hands, their hygiene. Their... Yeah, just disgusting. God damn, like, no. I go Ew. through the signs and the symptoms of it. Okay, if you did have, or your family had it, you were basically <clears> kind of, <throat> you were supposed to kind of quarantine, stay in your house. Okay, effect, really. There was a white X painted on your house, mm. which meant that the people inside were infected. They were not supposed to come outside, nor were you supposed to have contact with them. You wouldn't want to anyway, because when I talk about the symptoms here, you guys are going to be like, ew. Gross. Okay. They differed depending on what type. So with the bubonic plague, you might have a fever of 38 to 41 degrees Celsius, aching joints, terrible headache, general malaise. There was an 80% mortality rate in the first eight days. You grew lumps, which are called buboes, the size of eggs or even apples around your groin, your neck, your armpit. They oozed pus. They bled. They eventually coloured black, which was the real sign of death that was about to occur. And then just before death, you'd break out into a terrible fever and you may start vomiting blood. Wow. God, that's The pneumonic plague, which is probably believed now to be the big one, not the bubonic plague, Mm. uh, had a 90 to 95% mortality rate, so even higher. Okay, and that affected the lungs. So similar, uh, but you'd be coughing more than um, more than the other one. And then the septicemic plague had a mortality rate of one hundred percent. So if you caught sugar. that, you were gone. That was that. That was that was the end of it. So, there was so the thing is like that. 
that people did survive some forms of it. Yes, they did. And there were survivors of the plague. And it's, it's the, the you know, it's worth pointing that out. Um, I think so. You'd probably be left with terrible scars. Mm. Um, but that would be the least your worries, to be fair. Your whole family is gone. You're literally like... <laughs> and I would basically be going, are you left with scars? The septicemic plague uh, was notable because of purple skin patches. Oh, and um, there was a lot of bleeding under the skin. I'm seeing a lot of infected blood. It was an incredibly fast death, though. So the septicemic plague, although it was 100% mortality rate it was probably the least kind of painful, painful one like you yeah, were just gone very, it's very, very sad isn't it God yeah um, in terms of consequences and I think that's what the key thing is here that like there are defining moments in human history and I think this is one of the huge ones um, there is a theory oh my god I don't have it written down here is it called the Malthusian limit let me just check I don't want to get this wrong don't get it wrong today I, I love that I can rely on you to just sing to them while I'm googling something Please feel free to fast forward through my voice. <laughs> we could do like um ads, yeah. Pretend ads. Malthusian. Oh, I was right. So a Malthusian limit is basically that this, um, it's a theory that every so often something has to happen to rebalance the population of something. So it's inevitable if population bursts and grows that something mm-hmm. disastrous. Basically that a catastrophe is like, is going to happen. Oh, I totally believe in that. Um, so, uh, it is really hard to um, kind of measure the amount of people that died. Some people go as low as kind of 30%, whereas <clears throat> others come as high as 60% of Europe's population. It's just really hard to know. Yeah, uh, Half of Paris died, which is insane. 60% of Londoners died. 80% of Florentines died. So 80% of the population of Florence died during the, yeah. the Black Death. Like, we can't even comprehend that nowadays. That would be insane mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. us. Um, it led to widespread persecution of Jews, of Romanies, of lepers. Um, in 1349, there was a massacre in Strasbourg of Jews where 2,000 Jews were killed. Oh. They were just blamed. They were blamed for these all these kind of silly stereotypes that they were poisoning the wells, that they were poisoning mm. people. Um, so lots and lots of persecution there. It led to some scholars believe it's one of the contributing factors to the Renaissance. Because following this, that because Italy was hit really hard by the Black Death, mm-hmm. that it reminded people of, I suppose, um, heaven. It reminded them of their own kind of human, human kind of humanity. That it also um, caused kind of immigration and movement. There's lots of kind of reasons that link it to people looking to, to go back to the great days of the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. because clearly Europe was in a state at the time. Um, that it led to wanting to know more about medicine and science. People became more kind of um, in tune with like thinking, so that it yeah. could be one of the contributing factors to the Renaissance. That's cool. Um, I think one really obvious thing, and I was thinking this today, is the people's fear of rats. Yeah, I was thinking about it earlier. Like, because I, now I'm not going to be like, I'm not afraid of rats, but I'm not, I'm afraid of spiders, 100%, like phobically afraid of spiders, but I'm not like that with rats. I could see a rat in front of me and I'd be like, oh, okay. But I wouldn't like go up and like pet it. <laughs> what a pretty rat. <laughs> sweet, sweet. Um, I'm the same, my mum, my mum is absolutely terrified yeah, of them. like terrified. I know some people who are terrified of I, I'm, I'm not terrified but I wouldn't want to go near I'm it. smart enough to know that they do spread disease and they can bite and things. Like I know I'm not someone where they were saying I don't know was it their grandmother or someone was opening up a press or something and a rat jumped out and bit them. <laughs> oh my god. Sorry just imagine. Eee! <laughs> <laughs> flying through the area. Um, but but I, people do have like really really strong fears of rats and mm. I'm, there must be something in that that kind of stems from that. Has to um, be. The 
I was thinking as well of all the before I kind of started to research this properly, I was thinking about all the things that I associate with the Black Death. And one was, now this is a myth and it's been proven to be a myth, mm-hmm. but it's always interested me because we used to sing this when we were kids. The um, ring, ring, yeah. ring, we call it ring a ring a rosy in a America. It's, it's called ring around the rosy. Oh, it was, okay. Yeah, but it's ring in Ireland. It's ring a ring a rosy, a pocket full of posies. It's so creepy. A tissue, a tissue. Yeah. We all fall down and then you'd all be holding hands mm-hmm. in a circle and, so, and then mm-hmm. you all fall down. But it, it doesn't come from them. Um, it doesn't describe it. It, it doesn't, oh, it doesn't look it. like it describes the Black Death. No, mm. it's still creepy though, isn't it? It is so creepy. Are they like those Renaissance doctors with those beaked masks. Oh yeah, so they that was there was a belief now that comes from later plague. Oh, so that okay. is associated with the bubonic plague. Mm-hmm. Um but not the not the 1300s one. Um who is associated with the plague as well is Nostradamus was a plague doctor at some point in his life. Oh. Um the Black Death in Ireland very quickly just to talk about it because we did experience an outbreak of the plague here in Ireland, a number of them actually. <clears throat> um this one did the Black Death did travelled to Ireland and did affect us. Oh. In fact, I was found this out today, the etymology of the um, town of Tala in Dublin. In Irish, it's Tavlacht, which means plague pit. <laughs> <laughs> bit of tad, people from Tala listen me like, hey, you leave Tala alone, all right. Um, okay, so the, the death toll wow. in Ireland is estimated, but very, very conservatively, because we don't know, at 14,000. Um, the Anglo-Irish were the most affected. So we obviously had the kind of influx around this time. It's before the plantations, but mm-hmm. it is after the Norman invasion of Ireland. Yeah. And you did have um, the beginning of an Anglo-Irish, um, more than the beginning of, it's well established at this point, an Anglo-Irish population in Ireland. Those Anglo-Irish um, people tended to live in urban areas and cities on the east coast of the country. Mm-hmm. And these were the most affected because they're low-lying. So they were lowland-lying um, closer obviously to rats who are more lowland creatures mm. and living closer together. The native Irish were higher up there in the west of the country. They tended to be more scattered as well so they weren't as densely populated. It was a bit colder up there as well. Yes. Now they still did absolutely get affected by the Black Death and um, many native Irish people died but just not as many as the Anglo-Irish and there is a belief that this forced Anglo-Irish people to towards the Pale because it decimated so many of them outside of it. Now, whether that's true or not, I'm not entirely sure. That's amazing though. The last thing I want to say is in my research, I ordered what looks like an absolutely amazing book and I can't wait for it to come. And this guy has a podcast. Most people will know this listening to it because it's the biggest history podcast in the country. Um, It's the Irish History Podcast. The guy who runs it is called Finn Dwyer. Um, It's brilliant. It's a brilliant podcast. And the book is called 1348 A Medieval Apocalypse, The Black Death in Ireland by Finn Bardwyer and I can't wait to read it I ordered it today so Class. I'm super excited I know that I'm reading the book after I've done this so I'll come back next <laughs> but week but you're going to find like, out so many more facts you know yeah like, well I'm so class. excited for all the facts but yeah I like this is just to me it's it's nightmare stuff like it's I can't imagine it's, living it's, in their cold houses filled with crappy hay and imagine you're stuck in there it stinks like it absolutely stinks apologies you probably (laughs) you probably get like accustomed to the smell you know what I mean people get used to smells it's just so but it's just imagine just someone clicking their finger and you're gone back in time and you're like oh crap (laughs) the filth just the pure like up to your knees in filth I'd say walking down the street you'd have no pride like you wouldn't be able to carry yourself with any (laughs) dignity whatsoever like 
Boy, <laughs> You'd be like, boy, hey, mud face. I <laughs> 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 just, yeah, there's just no way to be like dignified oh. in that at all. But I suppose, look, at least everybody was the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, oh, I, can't, I don't know. I don't know. But man. then I always think, right, these are, these are the <clears> days before like processed sugar and like, you know, all the terrible chemicals that mm-hmm. we take in our food. So maybe they're like way healthier than us. I don't know. <laughs> they eat their vegetables. We go back and they're and like, they're like glowing. But then again, they're all like <laughs> dying at the age of like 35. So yeah. yeah. God, God, what a different time. Yeah. You know, what a different time. Absolutely mad. But what was the name of that theory again? The, mm, the miasma theory. Yeah, I like that one. I believe in that. I definitely believe that theory. I just believe in a straight <laughs> I know that it's not backed by science whatsoever. No, just no sorry, you're thinking of the Malthusian limit. Sorry, excuse me. Sorry, yes. the miasma theory has been completely debunked. <clears throat> and I'm like, I believe it. <laughs> um, the Malthusian limit is... it Now it has its detractors because know, one... Yeah. one um, one criticism of it is that it wasn't the first time the, the population in certain places. So why had the Black Death not happen sooner, basically? But mm. no, I mean, it makes sense. We know about it here. Now, the only thing that I'm afraid of is it could be used as an excuse here in Ireland to justify the famine. Okay. Um, Which which I don't well, agree with. Famine was... But I've had enough of giving out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave you alone this week. Yeah. We're going for we'll the Americans you, and the rest of Europe. <laughs> We'll um, leave you alone. Yeah, leave you off just this once. I'm so I'm excited for your piece. My piece is not as cool as your piece. Maybe no less way. depressing. It's definitely people gonna, funny. People are going to jump into my DMs and be like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> Every week, it's just pure <laughs> depression. I'm like, I'll have something funny next week. I will. I I think. Imagine I'm, I'm just like, saying. I think oh, we had a laugh during that now as well. Do <laughs> I'm like, I mean? do people find the Black Death funny? <laughs> just me. Hilarious. <laughs> Great crack. <laughs> Love those rats. Um, sorry, just all the rats. If we have any rat listeners, sweet. and there are people out there with pet rats. There are, and they are cute pets. I they don't are. care. I know people now are listening going, "Oh, you," but I just love all animals. I really do. Yeah, except the honey badger. I wouldn't <laughs> mess with the honey badger. <laughs> they are pretty scary honey badgers. They are so <laughs> scary. Um, my my topic. Um, I'm going to be telling you about a ship. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Oh, you really you love, I love ships. Those ships, don't you? I? Do you love do you a love good, a good a ship? Good ship. And yeah. uh, I, I found an article about this particular ship online, of course. And I thought, let's dig deeper, and let's just say, well, it might be one of the most embarrassing ships ever made, um, or it's it's probably one of the most embarrassing <laughs> ships in the history of the U.S. Okay. Navy. I was going to say, okay, because I was going to be like, the Titanic's going to be like, hold my beer, <laughs> hold my beer. Oh, dark. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, so this ship was named the USS William D. Porter and it was nicknamed the Willie D. Which, you know, sounds That's a bit <laughs> That's cool though. Willie D. Um, the ship was named after a Commodore named William D. Porter, who I presume was also called Willie D. You know, when he was in school or something. Willie D. <laughs> Come on in for your tea. Um, anyway, oh according God. to good old Wikipedia, uh, USS William D. Porter was laid down on 7th of May, 1942 at Orange, Texas, US, well, the United States, by the Consolidated Steel Corporation, launched on the 27th of September, 1942. Okay. And it was commissioned on the 6th of July, 1943, with some fellow named Lieutenant Commander Wilfred A. Walter in command. Now, I'm just going to tell you this, okay? I got a lot of my sources from Wikipedia, all right? Uh, some a bit from the all Reddit, some even from cracked.com. I didn't I'm even sorry. cite my sources and there were so many. <clears throat> I did actually so much research. Yours is very well researched, I can Flip tell. I should have. <laughs> Mine is just shot together. I had History together. Ireland, I'd, 
I I went I read I read some of a book. I read articles. I read a JSTOR article. Hey, read, you yeah. even recommended that you're ordering a book and, and I got a Do you book know what I mean? Too. Yeah, I'm so excited. I just used Wikipedia. <laughs> Look, Wikipedia. I have a lot of very there for positive me, thoughts about Wikipedia. Yeah. However, <laughs> they keep asking me for donations <laughs> just because I donated once, and they keep telling me how amazing I am. And Jimmy is like, like, oh God. I told you the time Jimmy emailed me and was like, "This is the last time, this is the last you'll ever hear from me." And I was like, "Well, that was a lie." Jimmy <laughs> poor old Jimmy he's just doing his job bless his cotton socks now it says here on Wikipedia uh, Wikipedia that the ship is predominantly remembered today for the string of extremely unfortunate events that plagued her short three year career <sighs> during World War 2 I bet there was a cat involved oh, I <laughs> I remember oh, yeah, saying Unsinkable Sam just <laughs> evil cat <laughs> yeah at the end it was like it was the cat um, <clears throat> after she was commissioned, Willie D departed Orange, Texas and made some stops at places such as Galveston in Texas and Algier in L.A. And soon it on uh, July 30th in 1943, she made her way to Guantanamo Bay okay. in Cuba. And the ship had been brought here for a shakedown. And a shakedown is basically a term for ship testing. And the ship would be tested and put through simulations and whatnot, you know. Okay. So after a month of testing the ship, um, it made its way towards Bermuda, where she had a brief stop and then carried on to Charleston, South Carolina on the 7th of September, 1943. Now there, the ship completed post-shakedown repairs and then it was brought to Norfolk in Virginia at the end of that month. Bear with me here. So Willie D stayed here for about five weeks, right, where it conducted... Um, battle practices with other warships that were part of the US Atlantic Fleet, such as um, the USS Intrepid. Now, Willie D was performing wonderfully, and on November 12th, 1943, it was time for Willie D to rendezvous with the USS Iowa. So, Willie D departed Norfolk and began making her way to the north uh, of Africa. And guess who was riding Willie D to North Africa? <laughs> <laughs> Who? <laughs> <laughs> None other than President Franklin D. Roosevelt himself. Oh. See, FDR was on this ship as the ship was heading for Cairo in Egypt to attend the Tehran conferences. Okay. All right. Now, unfortunately, you know, Roosevelt might have had, you know, some second thoughts about riding Willie D. As the ship's officials already made a bit of an embarrassing gap. You won't break me. <laughs> You can keep trying. You You're break. You end up breaking me. yourself. That's what you always do. You try to make me laugh, and then all I can hear is, <laughs> is your voice shaking, and I'm like, "No, I am absolutely poker faced." <laughs> You're not poker faced. No, I'm not. <laughs> Basically, this is messed up, right? So the ship's officials, uh, as they left Norfolk, right, with um, FDR on Willie D, basically, um, they made their first embarrassing gaffe, right? Whilst leaving. So the crew had basically forgotten to lift the anchor while departing. <laughs> so this is a first mistake already with the president on board. Oh, and the awkward. anchor basically tore the railing and lifeboat mounts off of a docked sister uh, ship destroyer whilst trying to manoeuvre away. So keep in mind, the president of the United States is on your ship and whoever's responsible for the anchor, you know, messed up first impressions, right? brilliant. Oh, it gets worse. <clears throat> But it's it's oh. a bit of a it's a bit of a, a chunky kind of topic, but I will get there, I promise. I feel the embarrassment for that person. Like I would just jump overboard. Oh, it gets worse. I'd just be like, okay, swim first. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason you jump onto the anchor <laughs> as it's being raised up. 
So it's a, it's a sweaty start, right? <laughs> and uh, surely, you know, they'd have smooth sailing after all of this. <laughs> uh, surely be to God. Uh, well, no. Things get worse by the very next day. So basically, as the ship was sailing along, for some reason, a depth charge from the deck of Willie D fell into the rough sea and it exploded, causing the USS Iowa and the other escort ships to take evasive measures under the assumption that the task force had come under a torpedo attack by a German U-boat. Well, it's basically that episode of The Simpsons when Homer's in the Navy. Pretty much very similar. Like, yeah. It's like... It's, the, it's all day. hands on deck kind of stuff. Everyone's freaking out because a, a depth charge, it's an anti-submarine warfare weapon. Yep. And it's intended to destroy a submarine by being dropped into the water nearby and detonating, uh, subject, you know, subjecting the target to a powerful and destructive hydraulic shock. Most depth charges use high explosive charges and a few set to detonate the charge, typically at a specific depth. Yeah. So depth charges can be dropped by ships, patrol aircraft, helicopters, etc. Thank you, Wiki. Um, in addition to this event, apparently ship logs from Willie D and Iowa do not mention a lost depth charge nor a U-boat search on the 13th of November 1943. <laughs> Dear Jerry, today nothing happened. <laughs> nothing end. at all embarrassing. <laughs> well, boat logs mentioned that Willie D experienced a <clears throat> boiler tube failure on number three boiler, <laughs> causing the ship to fall out of position in the formation until a number four boiler was brought online. Feckin' ages. Anyway, I can only wonder, like, you know what, Franklin, the Roosevelt was, you know, he's probably ready to bail himself out and get onto the Iowa or something. Um, it seemed that he was being escorted by a bunch of buffoons. Uh, regardless, the very next day, on November 4th, 1943, Roosevelt requested that the USS Iowa conduct an anti-aircraft drill to demonstrate her ability to defend herself. So this is the next day after the depth charge dropping, right? Oh my God. So it's probably just the norm, you know, as you're making your way to North Africa for a special conference on a warship. Um, so the USS Iowa began its drill. Now, so this is the third day in. The drill began with the release of a number of balloons as used for targets. Right? Okay, okay, yeah. So while most of these were shot by gunners aboard the USS Iowa, a few of the balloons began to drift their way towards Willie D. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know it's coming. It's the party yeah. boat. <laughs> the best boat so the lads the mad lads on the Willie D began to shoot down the escaping balloons as well now Willie D as well as other warships ex- escorting on the journey why were they shooting the balloons <laughs> it's just target practice I it's guess like it's not their it's simulations it's just like oh, you gotta be prepared dudes. at all times okay but like From basically <laughs> these aggressive are... balloons sorry just, yeah. well what's even more messed up is this so the other warships on Willie D they're escorting you know along on the journey they also demonstrated a torpedo drill by simulating a launch at the USS Iowa. Oh, no. <laughs> well, wouldn't you know it? <laughs> the drill went very wrong. Oh, God. <laughs> For some reason, Willie D launched a live torpedo at the USS Iowa. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so after realising that they had now sent a live torpedo towards the USS Iowa, the lads on board Willie D attempted to signal the Iowa uh, about, about, you know, about the incoming torpedo. And according to sources, they had to maintain radio silence at the time because due to the German fleets around the place, they could pick up on radio communications, you know, from the enemy. So Willie D had to try and signal the Iowa with a signal lamp instead. How do you Morse code get off the ship? <laughs> torpedo beep, beep, coming beep, 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 beep. So, however... 
The destroyer first misidentified the direction of the torpedo and relayed the wrong message, informing the Iowa that Willie D was backing up rather than a torpedo was in the water. Oh my God. Yeah. So realizing the error, the Willie D had to break radio silence and they used code words that communicated a warning message to the Iowa, telling them all about the incoming torpedo. So the USS Iowa managed to somehow steer clear of this torpedo. Now, Franklin D. Roosevelt had requested to be moved up on deck in his wheelchair towards the side of the battleship so that he could see the stupidity unfolding before his eyes. The torpedo uh, exploded some 3,000 yards away from the Iowa. But from that day on, the Willie D. was the laughingstock of the fleet. In fact, any time Willie D. approached any of its sister ships, they would communicate and ask the ship to not shoot at them. Um, so they say, don't Lols. shoot, we're Republicans. <laughs> um, obviously, the crew were going to end up being questioned about the ability to run the warship, <laughs> you know, and they were ordered back to Bermuda. I was going to say that they're not going to be left, just be like the crack ship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're just they're grey crack, those lads. <laughs> well, a fellow by the name of Lawton Dawson, uh, who was the chief torpedo man on board, had failed to remove the torpedo's primer. Uh, which had had essentially enabled the ship to fire at the Iowa. And he was later sent to hard labour for his woes. Luckily for him, though, for Dawson, uh, Roosevelt did intervene on his case, stating, look, it's an accident, (laughs) right? Now, according to sources, contrary to the internet legend, Dawson was not relieved of command following the incident and remained in command until the 30th of May, 1944. He later commanded (laughs) other ships and eventually became a rear admiral. As I say, and eventually became president. <laughs> <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Yeah. <laughs> the Germans are like, I'm done. <laughs> so, Willie D was in Bermuda from the 16th to the 23rd of November 1943. And again, according to my sources, no mention was made uh, of the awaiting Marines or the entire crew being oh my God, arrested. Did it go missing in the Bermuda Triangle? No, yeah. there's just no logs. Okay. Again, there's dear diary. Nothing. <laughs> no, nothing today, happened. Nothing significant. <laughs> now, by November 25th, <clears throat> Willie D had returned to Norfolk. Okay. Okay. And it was pre- uh, prepared for transfer to the Pacific. Okay. By December 4th, she had left Norfolk and was brought to Trinidad, and then reached the Panama Canal on the 12th of December. After making its way through the canal, the destroyer set a course for San Diego, <laughs> where San she stopped. <laughs> we won't say anything. <laughs> no, we can't. Have you seen Anchorman? Yeah, you, you know. You know. You know. Uh, so she stopped there between the 19th and 21st of December to take on cold weather clothing and other supplies necessary for duty in the Aleutian Islands, which are close to Alaska and Russia. So that's right. right. Willie D and her crew were pretty much they were sent to the only campaign that no one really cared about Alaska so they got exiled to these islands <laughs> with the US Navy figuring they couldn't possibly screw anything like <laughs> over there but yeah. <laughs> well for some time now like this is kind of the, the boring part but it, it leads to the best part um, okay, so bear, bear with me so this is just kind of sort of an account of what it was doing while it was in Alaska um, on the 29th of December Willie D arrived in Dutch Harbour on the island of Unalaska or Unalaska and joined Task Force 94. Uh, between the 2nd and 4th of January 1944, she voyaged from Dutch Harbour to Adak, where she conducted training operations under her departure for Hawaii on Perfect. the 7th. Good, yeah. The warship entered Pearl Harbour on January 22nd and remained there until the 1st of February, at which time the destroyer was put to sea again to escort the USS Blackhawk to a dock. Um, the two ships arrived at their destination nine days later and Willie D began four months of relatively uneventful duty with Task Force 94. 
Okay. Right, so I'm getting this from Wiki, in fairness. So she sailed between the various islands in the Aleutians chain, serving primarily as an anti-submarine escort. Grand Irish. Um, some fellow now by the name of Commander Charles M. Keyes didn't relieve our Lieutenant, Commander Dawson, as commanding officer on the 13th of May 1944. I know you're thinking of Jack Dawson. I am. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> you saw me just staring. Dawson. Rose Dawson. Now, for some time... Imagine that's what happened. Imagine that's what she was doing. <laughs> she became a lieutenant. <laughs> <laughs> it's her. Yeah, it's, it's Rose. It's definitely her. <laughs> so, for some time in the Pacific, Willie D was doing all right. Sources say okay. that on the 10th of June, the destroyer stood out of Atku and headed for the Kuril Islands. Mm-hmm. She and other ships of the Task Force 94 reached their destination early in the morning of the 13th. They started to shell their target, uh, which was the island of Matsua at 5.13am. And after 20 minutes, Willie uh, D's radar picked up an unidentified surface vessel, closing her port quarter at a speed in excess of 55 knots. Her radar personnel uh, identified the craft as an enemy PT-type boat and the warship ceased fire on Matsua to take the new target under fire. Soon thereafter, the craft's reflection disappeared from the radar screen, uh, screen excuse me, presumably the victim of Task Force 94's gunfire. And not long afterward, the Task Force completed its mission and retired from the Kurils to refuel at Atku. Now, uh, the reason I'm bringing all this up is just that something bonkers happens towards the end of this part of its life. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so by now it's kind of like, uh, it's it's definitely kind of, it's getting closer to its time in the Philippines. Okay. But at the moment, uh, I'm just kind of giving a, a sort of a timeline of what's going on really. Okay. So on the 24th of June, 1944, um, it's 44, isn't it? It is. Uh, the destroyer left Atku with Task Force 94 for her second mission in the Kurils. So following two days at sea, in steadily increasing fog, she arrived off of Paramushiro on the 26th. And in dense fog, with visibility down to about 200 yards, she delivered her gunfire and then departed with Task Force 94 to return to the Aleutians. So she's gone back to uh, Alaska. Okay. So a month of training exercises intervened between her second and third voyages to the Kurils. And on the 1st of August, she cleared Kuluk Bay for, uh, for her final bombardment of the Kurils. On the second day out, an enemy twin-engine bomber snooped on the task force and received a hail of fire from some of the screening destroyers. That proved to be the only noteworthy event of the mission at the time, because the following day, the bombardment was cancelled due to poor weather and the enemy rec- uh, reconnaissance plane. So Willie D dropped anchor in the, and you know, kind of ominously named Massacre Bay <laughs> at Atkew on 4th of August. Hey, what <laughs> we call this bay? I'm like, oh, Willie D, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> Why is it called that now? <laughs> so we're almost at the bonkers <clears throat> part. So after a month of anti-submarine patrol, the warship departed the Aleutians for a brief yard period at San Francisco um, to, and it was reassigned to the Western Pacific. She completed repairs and stood out of San Francisco on the 27th of September and she reached Ohio on the 2nd of October and spent the ensuing fortnight in training operations out of Pearl Harbor. Okay. Now, on the 18th, she resumed her voyage west and 12 days later, the warship pulled into uh, Seattle Harbor at Manus in the Admiralty Islands and she departed Manus early in uh, November to escort another warship. Now, we're finally getting near the Philippines, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so, right before she goes to the Philippines, Willie D had a bit of a, a feck up during this time actually something eventful did happen okay uh i found it hilarious so after (laughs) surviving in the freezing cold for nearly a year with nary a disaster everything was going well right i love that term nary nary 
I love it. Nary, nary a disaster. It's yeah. great. So right up until they're about to leave for this reassignment to the Philippines that I'm about to go into. Yeah. One of the sailors on board had gotten drunk and decided to give the big guns on the ship a whirl. Oh my God, Mm -hmm. why? And thank you, Cracked.com for this. Unfortunately for that sailor, the shell was steered by the powers of bad luck right into the base commander's front yard, exploding in his flower garden, obviously ruining the flowers and further demolishing what was left of the ship's reputation. (laughs) Curse you, Willie B. <laughs> Willie D. <laughs> my flower. I just said Willie B. It's, sorry. I'm sure there's a Willie B out there. I'm sure there is. Maybe you've got a listener called <clears throat> Willie B. What's up, Hansler? Who's Willie A? Okay, so <laughs> the, somebody's flower is just destroyed. His just base commander's R. flower R. is on flower. the island. Oh my gosh. Of all the uh, And in Alaska. <laughs> Where have all the flowers gone? So, <clears throat> it, no, I'm going to try and power through because I don't want to keep this going on too long. But basically, I'll just kind of keep this short. So we know that there is Japanese occupation of certain areas of the Philippines occurring around then. Okay. Yeah. So in short, I'm going to keep it short away from my script. Um, The ship was basically sent to escort other ships and help out in the invasion. (laughs) But it's really funny because she was uh, reassigned, right? And Willie D arrived in the Western Pacific too late to participate in the actual invasion of Leyte. So that battle was the Pacific campaign in World War II, uh, which was the amphibious invasion of the island of Leyte in the Philippines by American forces and Filipino guerrillas under the overall command of General Douglas MacArthur, who had fought against the Imperial Japanese Army uh, in the Philippines, led by General Tomoyuki Yamashita. Right. So anyway, Willie D basically during this part of its life, um, long story short, she escorted lots and lots of ships between all these islands around there, right? And uh, she I took mean, bombardments, but she was she was doing okay. She was holding I mean, up all right. I mean, she was hanging in there. Yeah, she was. Unbelievably. Oh, absolutely. And um, I'm actually skipping through a fair bit of this because I go on for a while. Um, but, I mean, it found itself, you know, getting into bombardment with um, Japanese kamikaze pilots and things like that, right? <laughs> So this is where it gets kind of crazy, right? It was even sent um, to Guam. You know, it was sent all over the place. It's crazy. I feel like it belongs in my book of mad lads. Mm-hmm. But it's time for it to make one last kind of yes. proven itself kind of moment yeah. here. It was time, right? We're going to push on there. We're still in 1944. Uh, it's time for Willie D to help out in the assault on Okinawa. Okay. okay. Is it going to make a comeback? <laughs> Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> I've been here for years. Um... Kind of. (laughs) Uh, She moved back to Leyte, right? Mm -hmm. And she prepared herself for the first half of March in 1944. And she went away to some islands and her crew practiced out some drills and whatnot. And she departed the Philippines on the 21st of March and reached the Ryukyu Islands on the morning of the 25th. And she began supporting the virtually unopposed occupation of uh, Karamareto. And these were islands just southwest of Okinawa. Between the 25th of March and 1st of April, she provided anti-aircraft and anti-submarine protection for the ships in the Karama uh, roadstead while performing some fire support duties in response to what little resistance the troops met ashore on the islets of Karamana Roto. Right? Um, however, by the time that the main assault on Okinawa began on the morning of April 1st, she had been reassigned to some task force called Task Force 54, uh, to some Rear Admiral uh, Martin L. Dio's gunfire and covering force. During her association with this task organization, 
Willie D rendered fire support for the troops conquering Okinawa, providing anti-submarine and anti-curative defenses. I've mentioned all this, right? Yeah. Um, but something happened. See, by June 10th, 1945, she, you know, Willie D was holding up, you know, in this area. Yeah. But she would finally fall victim to a no. rather unique, though fatal, kamikaze oh, attack. Oh, no, I wasn't ready for this. No, no. At 8.15, that beautiful morning, an Aichi D3A Val <clears throat> dive bomber dropped unheralded out of the clouds above it and aimed straight for the warship. Oh, man. Now, the destroyer managed to evade the suicide plane yeah. and the plane splashed down nearby. Okay. Somehow, the explosive laden plane ended up directly beneath Willie D before it exploded. Oh, no. Suddenly, the warship was lifted out of the water and then dropped back again due to the force of the underwater blast. She lost all power. And suffered broken steam lines and whatnot. A number of fires also broke out in the warship. For three whole hours, the crew battled and struggled to put out the fires, repair the damage and keep the ship afloat. But the crew's efforts were in vain. And 12 minutes after the order to abandon ship went out, Willie D heels over to starboard and sank by the stern. Oh man. Miraculously, her crew suffered no fatal injuries. And the warship's name was struck from the naval vessel register on the 11th of July, 1945. So even though Willie D had nearly blown up the president's boat with a depth charge and had then accidentally launched a torpedo at a president's boat and while in exile at Alaska had fired a shell at a base commander's house and finally sank in what was actually considered a most embarrassing way, uh, Willie D received four battle stars for her service in World War II. (laughs) I love a good underdog. I love a good incompetent underdog. Willie D. Yes. So yeah, that's the story of Willie I D. I just thought it. it was crazy. It was it's, just kind of oh, it's just. Ugh. I'm gonna say like not. I'm not gonna try and not use the explicit language, but it was bat ship in crazy. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> that, that's good. We might use that in the title. <laughs> <laughs> I've done my Write work for the day. Yeah, like, that made up for me dreaming up the actually. <laughs> Had a dream that I did, I did and you were there actually flipping through your phone you were like looking for it and then you were like oh wait, was, it could have been a look. dream I was convinced I screenshot that, that does I, like, I mean it happens to me as well so yeah. <sighs> maybe I'm just so tired <laughs> I'm sleepy no there's nothing there's a, the last thing I screenshot it was a monkey <laughs> <laughs> what's the last thing I let's check the last thing I screenshot um, oh the book I bought I'm okay. serious how did I recently deleted it <clears throat> maybe did I I really nope. don't think so. I feel like this really was a dream. It was a dream. It was an actual dream. Yeah, but that's fight. okay. It's fine. You yeah. know, um, this happens. It was probably my turn to do the actually anyway. So, but I would have passed it on to you. That was the point. I was like, oh, I have one. I have one because I. But I should be doing my own damn actually I know, research. So I was dream working. <laughs> I did dream <laughs> do research. Do you ever have a dream where, like, the night before work, you had a dream about work, and then you wake up and you're like, ah, here. I know you're yeah. like it's like I bought two. <laughs> I worked Double in my work. sleep and I worked in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's cruel. Do you ever have a dream about a person? They've done nothing wrong to you, but they're horrible to you in a dream yeah. and you just hold it again. You can't help it. I like I've gotten mad at people for just things they've done in my dreams and it's yeah. really unfair. But like I'm like, how dare you basically? Your subconscious is yeah. just I'm, and I'm like, if you got into my subconscious yeah. like this, you must have done something wrong. <laughs> so it's on you. Yeah, this isn't your <laughs> fault. <laughs> this is why I am I don't know, I was going to say like paint bombing your house or something. <laughs> it's technically paint your fault. Bombing. What does that's not even a thing. People don't do that. Paint do bomb. They? Like do you get a tin of paint? Like paint, paint bombs. You know, maybe like balloons. I'm giving like a lot of vandalism ideas here and I really shouldn't be. Wait, what about balloons? 
you'd fill up like balloons with paint oh. and throw them at someone's house. Maybe, you know. Oh my God. Do people sick, do that? I, I don't know. Sicko. I'm like, do uh, people do that? How did you that? ever <laughs> suggest that to us in I know, childhood? Because I was a very sensible child. You were. And I, I would have actually been too sensitive for that. I didn't mm, like mindless. I don't know about that. No, I didn't. I, I really didn't like. I was always afraid of getting in trouble. That was my thing. <clears throat> I was very law abiding. Oh, really? <laughs> I went to Ackman. I was out of all of us, out of the whole friend group. Do you remember, do you remember I was I by fun? far the most anxious about getting in trouble. No, no, you were common sense. You were really 100%, common sense. Yeah. But do you remember the flower pot? Yes, I do. That was an isolated <laughs> incident. I wasn't the one who threw it. It was, it was me. And, yeah, and I also was very upset after that. So. <laughs> It has stayed with me ever um, since. Ever since, and I would like to apologize, uh, Marion, if you're if you are listening, <laughs> our neighbor. <laughs> if you happen to be listening, we to this we can't episode, give any more context. The the uh, apology might be twenty seven years too late, but um, I you can hear the sincerity. In my it voice should probably be me that's apologizing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was the one egging you on. Let's be honest. D- there you go. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. I did have while there was a there was a rebel in there. <laughs> But she was also afraid. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, there was always consequences. And that's that's the key word of today. Consequences. Okay. Yeah. Consequences. There's always been a, a struggle between behaving myself but also like wanting to misbehave. And there's that like yes. it it's the eternal struggle basically inside yeah. me. It's just conflict man. That's um, the definition yeah. of conflict. Yeah. It right is. there. It is. Right there. It's my my devil and my angel. They're just they're always battling <laughs> On each your other. Shoulders. Yeah. Um okay. Okay. That was. Oh, I really liked your story. That was hilarious. I loved your story. That more. Ship there was, was actually way more that I actually didn't know. So, okay, next week I something knew. fun. Imagine next week I'm like, and now Jeffrey Dahmer. Okay, I'm kidding. <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer and the bubonic plague. Oh my god, the link between the plague and Jeffrey Dahmer. Okay, I can't even. I just can't believe they. God love the poor victims. As in, you know, the, are we? Are we really? Are we? Are we doing I'm, this? I'm just throwing it in there. I'm just imagining. It's, like, so it's horrific. Upsetting. No, it's horrific. It is terrible. I can't even. Let we shouldn't even know. No, we should end this on a very positive, affirming manner. You are special. There's only one version of you out there. There's only one version Imagine of any you twin, ever in twins existence. listening to this being like who twins. <laughs> <laughs> You are kidding. You're still special. special. <laughs> um. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you are beautiful. You're yeah. You're a fierce warrior. You are kind. Yeah. You are smart. What's mm-hmm. she saying? The help. Oh. I is kind. I is smart. You're badass. I is important. Yeah. yeah that's and you're you. and you're a badass out there. You're going to go out this week. You're going to absolutely kick this week. Smash it. Yes. Yeah. That's a positive note. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We went too far. Let's just leave that at that now before we ruin (laughs) our dignity anymore. Which button do I press to make a stop? (laughs) The stop button. (laughs) We wish you all a beautiful week. Have a great week. Have a great week. Should I pause it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)